0: there is nothing worse than potential unrealized. We
1: all have things that hold us back, but what if we could find a way to get us unstuck? I'm Michelle Weeby, and I am going to walk alongside you as you make the decision to get unstuck. Tune in as I help you realize that you are not alone. Inspire hope, And offer practical solutions to help you step boldly into the life that you are meant to live. Everybody, welcome to the Unsec podcast. And today I get a chance to have a chat with my new friend, Jody Rumack. Jody is a consistency and scale coach. The two of us both kind of nerded out over all things personal development and business. In a recent conversation, high energy, super fun, connected with you right away, Jody. And I'm like, "You have to come on my podcast and let's tell everybody about what you do." So, thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. And yeah, like the connection was right away. So here we are. I'm happy. To here be we here. are.
1: Okay. So Jody, I want you to take a moment and just tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to. What do you do? How do you serve people?
2: Okay. So right now I am working with primarily with coaches. I help them create consistency and scale their business with a team. So, everything is all around creating group coaching programs so that they can have consistent revenue month after month. They can serve as many people as possible and they can also leverage their time and leverage their revenue.
1: Absolutely. That's amazing. And how did you get into that? Like, tell me about that, that journey because this is not your first career. Right,
2: right. So, I started in fitness. I was actually in school for kinesiology. I was a personal trainer back in the day. Um And then I ended up moving up through kind of like the corporate ranks situation um, in the biggest fitness club chain in Canada. And I ended up there. I had opened clubs all across the country, done a ton of hiring, training, onboarding, sales stuff. Um, And in the end, I had 13 locations and 100 trainers under me. And so that was where I started doing all of the coaching and all the leadership stuff and all the sales stuff. And then from that, I ended up. Going and doing my own business, fitness business coaching. So I worked specifically with fitness business owners who were actually brick and mortar. So I worked online with them to build their brick and mortar businesses. Awesome. And then from there, I ended up working for my online coach. So I worked in her program as the head coach there, Um, and then in that program, we were helping people build online. And then eventually, I went out on my own again in 2019, end of 2019. And now I'm working with all kinds of different coaches, helping them build online.
1: That's amazing. And so, one of the things that I always am fascinated with when I talk to people is the the topic of potential, right? So, you had this amazing career. Mm. Did you did you feel like this journey that you've been on to get to where you are is just continuing to step into the potential that you have for yourself?
2: Yes, it's so funny how things come full circle. Right. Like I think for me. I always knew I would be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to have my own business. You know, I was one of those kids who had leadership skills when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> you know what I mean? So
0: I do, I do. <laughs> I
2: always had that in me. Yeah. And but I got into the corporate world, and it was great, and I love my job. But eventually, I was like, "This isn't what I really want to do for the next forty years." Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And so when I started my
2: own and then like every little thing that you do and every step that I've taken good or bad, um, yep. has led me to the next thing. Right. And even yes. just as short of a time ago as maybe a month, I had some, you know, epiphany moments and changes about how I was doing things and really taking it back to what I really know and doing the things that I'm really good at. and sometimes it takes getting through all the rest of the steps to come back and realize what you really should be doing.
1: Absolutely. And so it's, it kind of started for you with this little like internal knowing, Mm -hmm. knowing that there was more for you, knowing that whatever it was that where you were at at the moment was unsettled and knowing and having that hard question with yourself, like, do I see myself truly loving this 40 years from now? And I think that there's so many people that, (laughs) that just say, well, isn't that the way life's supposed to be? Like you're not supposed (laughs) to love your job for 40 years. And I disagree with that. And I think that that is definitely a kind of flag in our souls to tell us like, okay, we're ready for the next step. But I'm guessing that every step that you've gone on from that point to this point hasn't been perfectly, you know, exciting and positive and wonderful. You've had some probably missteps or some detours. Tell me a little bit about this journey to get from where you were to where you are now
2: yeah for sure so I mean the first thing was leaving that first corporate job and I've been there for I think seven or eight years and and I really loved it so it was hard to walk away from it yeah just knowing that it just wasn't what it was supposed to be long term um and when I started my first business you know I had no idea what I was doing right I was making right. it up as I went along. Yeah. I was, you know, I didn't have friends who were in the online space. So this is like 2013, right? So things were not online the way that they are now. Right, right. And you know, it took me it took me about three years to realize I couldn't do it alone. So it was like three years of struggling, three years <laughs> of, you know, scraping by, three years yeah. of trying to make enough money to pay my mortgage and putting everything else on my credit card and, you know, doing all the things that you're not supposed to do. Right.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Until I finally was like, I just can't do this anymore. Right. This is not how it's going to go. So I either need to get help or I need to go back and get a job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I, I got the help. I hired a coach and that year I multiplied my business by four So then everything was like, it was good. But the one thing that was always missing for me was the consistency, which is why I'm so passionate about it Mm -hmm. now.
0: Yeah. Because even though I ended up making decent money, I never knew ahead of time what was going to happen. Right. So even though it did work out,
2: the stress of not knowing every month. Yeah. What just wasn't sustainable, and at that time, I actually did go back and get a job.
1: Interesting, and that's the one of the things that I've learned in the entrepreneurial space is that ninety five percent of small business owners end up quitting after about within five years. And so it's when things get hard, right? They're just like, oh, this is too hard. I'm gonna gonna go back to my nine to five, and then Mm -hmm. they live with that that internal struggle for the rest of their lives, right? And so good for you for choosing the hard. And I also think that sometimes we have to remember that, you know, just like I I do anesthesia for a living. I didn't Mm -hmm. just show up at the hospital one day and just say like, all right, well here I am. I'm ready to do anesthesia. Let's let's do this. I think any patient of mine would look at me and say, you're not touching me, right? And so we have to remember that we can invite training and invite something inside of us to be able to bring us to the next level. So just like I had to pay tuition to get all of my schooling, when you pay for coaching, when you pay for courses, you're investing. It's like your tuition investing in your future. And so those are, those are things that as a business owner, you guys, I want you to listen to, to Jody's story. And before you give up, I want you to ask yourself, did I actually pay the tuition to make sure that I got the schooling to do whatever it is that I want to do because we oftentimes give up or we think, well, I'm supposed to be making money. I don't want to invest money. But again, it's an investment that should have a return on investment. And so what would you Absolutely. say, Jodi, um, what advice do you give for somebody who's looking to hire help? What kind of things would you look for?
2: Oh, this is a good one. Um, I think... Now, because there is so much opportunity to yeah. have a coach, because yep. it's such a big industry now and it is growing like crazy. It is. I think the most important thing is that your values align. Yes, I think that is the most important thing um, to look for, and you can figure that acting with them directly, all of that stuff. But I think the values is the number one alignment. And the second thing is, because coaching is getting so big, coaches are niching down a lot more. So rather than it being like, I'm a business coach, Mm -hmm. someone like me is saying, I'm a consistency and scale coach. I love it. Specifically, if you want to create consistent revenue month after month after month, and you want to grow with a team, then I'm the person for you. Right. Yeah, if I love that. you Want to like learn more about marketing, or you want to learn more about webinars, or whatever else there is out there because there's a long list. Yes. Then you also have to find the person who has a model, which is what you are looking for.
1: Yes. I just heard, tricky. A hundred percent. I just heard this quote today, actually, and I, I think it's timely to bring up. But you would never take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade places with.
0: Mm. Right. And
1: so when you look at somebody's business and what they do for their coaching and you watch them and you're like, I would want to trade places with that person. I want their life. I want them to teach me what it is that they know so that I can make myself more likely to have that. And one of the things that I love about what you have niched down with is the fact that you help people be able to be more efficient. I'm all about working smarter, not harder because Mm -hmm. I work um, my businesses alongside of my full-time career and my family. And yeah. it is insane sometimes, right? And so one of the things that I loved about your message and your your passion is, number one, using groups in order to be able to serve many people at once, and also hiring help, hiring virtual assistants, hiring different people, and then managing teams so that you don't have to get bogged down in the tasks. And you can actually be the person who is doing the things that God specifically has You know, given you as a talent so that you can give other people the things. Does that sound pretty accurate for what you do?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like for me, people who want to work with me are people who want to be leaders, they're people who want to develop other people. Yes. And that is the most, for me, that's the most satisfying thing, right? Like watching whether it's my clients or my team members grow. Yes And become better business owners, step into their role as the CEO, become better team members, you know, be able to gain more confidence, to be able to feel that they're responsible and they're in charge of the decisions they're making. like all of that stuff and the growth is massive. And yeah, like this is the way that CEOs need to function, right? We cannot yeah. do the day-to-day tasks all the time if we're really going to grow. A bigger business.
1: And I want you guys to listen to this for a second. So if you have thought about starting a business or you're in your own business, but the word CEO scares the crap out of you, mm-hmm. like I am that I'm a solopreneur. I have a small business. Like yep. I could never be a CEO. Jody, what you're talking about is scaling us. So here's the deal. Um, our businesses, sometimes the actions, the day-to-day things align with who we are and what we can't wait to do. I'm a nerd. I love everything that I'm doing right now in, in my business space, but there's some things that I don't. But ultimately, it's a vehicle. My business is a vehicle for me to help as many people as I can, right? And so when we think about that, um, John Maxwell talks about this in the Law of the Lid, where we cannot we cannot serve or we cannot lead Beyond the level that we come with, right? And so if you think about that, if you come into this state as I'm only a solo entrepreneur, I'm only a small business owner, I could never see myself wearing a CEO hat. Mm-hmm. I want you to recognize the fact that you are the lid then of the service that you're able to provide. All of the people who are counting on you, all of the people out there that have been praying for your help.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Like this is one of the things that I think this ties really well into one of the things that I always say, which is that we need to make decisions from where we want to be and not from where we are. Yes. Yeah. Right. So as leaders, as CEOs, as people who want to grow a business, look, it's different. If you want to have a business that, you know, makes you enough money to pay your bills, like that's cool too. But if you really want to grow your business and you want to be making six or multi six or seven or more, then we need to step into that role. And that easiest way to do that is number one. I know it's going to sound so cliche, but you need to start with knowing where you want to go. You need to have that vision. You need to know what that looks like. And that can be the toughest part because people who are just starting out, maybe they've never run a business before. They've never, you know, grown. They've never been in a company that has grown like that. It might be hard to figure out what that looks like, but that's why you need help. right? Right. Right. But then it's always making the decisions from, the standpoint of where I am going. So, if somebody who was making six figures would hire a virtual assistant or a copywriter or a designer, guess what? You need to do it because if you don't do it, you're never going to free up the time that you need in order to get where you want to go by doing the things that you're really great at.
1: Right. So, tell our audience a little bit about if you are a solopreneur and you're wanting to scale. Yeah. Um. You already mentioned knowing where you want to go, but what are other, some tips that you would tell people, like, what are some next steps that yeah. they would do in order to give them some practical tools? And then if they, if they feel like they want more, we can come, they can, you know, book an appointment with you, but sure. give us some small, small steps that somebody could start to consider in, in their effort to scale.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think the first thing it starts with your offer, your pricing model and how that works because the way that I've been able to do all of this is by yeah. creating a model that has my clients with me for six months minimum. Okay. And they're working in a group format, which a lot of people feel like they can't start their business with a group, but they can. So that's tell one me, kind it, of... Tell me about
1: that. Why, why do people yeah. feel like that is something that is too hard to do? Dissect that a little bit for us.
2: Okay. Um, so a lot of people feel like there's all this pressure because what if I start this group and no one joins, right? Okay. Or only one person joins or two people join. I've called it a group and now it isn't. And how do I do that? And how yeah. do I talk to people? And there's all of this, you know, thought process
0: going on in the background and all okay. the reasons why they can't. Yeah. And, and the answer is so that when you're ready to open up your program, that you have people who are gonna to wanna to join you. And
2: honestly, if you start with one or two people, lucky them, because they right. get to work with you at group pricing, you know, group rates. <laughs> and sorry, my phone rings through my computer. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then those clients are actually really happy because they're getting group pricing and they're basically getting one on one or one on two attention. Yes. Right. So people have this mindset going on that they can't start with a group, but they can. So that's one thing. I love that. And as you grow, when you have people who are with you on a six month, 12 month basis, and I also use what I call a pay for what you get revenue model. Okay. So you have the clients pay monthly, whereas most coaches are going to say, have people pay in full, cash is king, like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But to me, if you have your clients paying you monthly for six months or more, every time you get a client, you are adding revenue, mm. right? So all of that to say, when you now know how much money you're bringing in the next month, even if it's 400 bucks, 800 bucks, whatever, yep. when you know that, you can hire. So then you're going to look and go, okay, what are the things that I keep putting off? What are the things that I dread? What are the things I wish I never had to touch again? (laughs) And for most people, it's either your bookkeeping or your content writing or designing your images, right? Stuff like that. What are the things you wish you never had to do? And then you start hiring them. Because every time you do that and you take those five or 10 hours a week off your plate, with the four or five or $600 you have coming in every single month, Right. You're going to free up your mental space to be able to grow the actual business and keep making connections and do the business development, which is what your job actually is.
1: I love that so much. And I think that for, for me, I went into business for myself because I wanted to free up time Have more time freedom for myself so I could spend more time with my family while I continue to help people. Mm -hmm. And then what happens in the world of entrepreneurship is that we kind of get sucked into this mindset where I just have to work really, really hard for three to five years and then I'll have that life, right? But what you're doing is you're teaching us how it doesn't have to be an either-or. It can be an entrepreneur, we can build this alongside of our careers, alongside of our families but essentially starting to do it in a way that is just, again, working smarter, not harder. I love that. Yes. You got it. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. Thank so you. when it comes to groups, I'm just curious. This is an interesting um, philosophy. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say you have a group and it's six months. Do you, have, do you start over a new group every six months? Or how do you, how do, you do that? <laughs> I'm so happy you asked this because
0: this is... Actually- let me ask you this: are you a business owner and you feel like you are literally tied to your phone all the time in order to keep up with social media? You know you need to post consistently, but you don't know what to post, and you don't want to have to post every single day because it means that you're married to your phone, so then you're not consistent and then business doesn't follow, or maybe you have no idea how to attract your uh, ideal client and and you want to find a way to to get the right people to come to you. Oh my goodness, like that was totally where I was. And I had to take some time and research to find out what the heck I could be doing to make my life so much better. So here's the scoop. I have found a system that I've created a system that has allowed me to not only attract my dream clients, but it's allowed me to be consistent by planning all of my content for an entire year in one single weekend. And I've decided to offer it to all of you guys. If that is something that you would love to learn more about, make sure to click on the link in the show notes so that you can learn how to get your life back, but keep your social media game on track. Versus closed enrollment.
2: So the way that I do this is until you are making consistent revenue at your goal for six months in a row, Okay. I would do rolling enrollment, which means your program is never closed because that way, you can always be talking to people. You can always be inviting people into the program. You can yeah. still launch and you can still have you know more focused time frames where you you know are talking more about your program, maybe you have special bonuses or special pricing or mm-hmm. things like that. But even when that's not happening, the program is still open because when you're new, if you do a launch and you tell people this is a six month program and it's only the people who sign up today, Mm -hmm. but you got two people, you've only got two people for six months.
1: Yeah. And so then how do you keep everybody kind of on the same page? So if you have two people this month and let's say you have four people the next month and then six people the next month, how do you keep everybody in the same page?
2: Yeah. Great question. So usually what I have is I have resources that are there for people to use and they can use them based on where they're at. So when exactly. I get on the coaching calls, which is what people are really paying for, right? then we're talking about their specific situation and I can direct them to the resources that make sense for them. And the other great thing about the coaching is that when you have a group that is on your calls every single week, It's actually really cool to have people who have been there for four or five months and people who are just starting because now you have some people in the group who are in it with you saying, I get that. I've been there. I was there. I got through it. Here's what I did, right? So it really helps create culture and community as well within your group when you have people starting at different times.
1: Oh my God. That's so amazing. I love you so much. Okay. (laughs) So, so let's um, talk a little bit about um, the hiring. So, let's just say that yeah. somebody is like, "Okay, I am tired of being a slave to my business. I want a little bit of this time." That right. you just cut out for two seconds. Okay, so people are are wondering, you know, how do I make all this work? I'm sick of being a slave to my business. I'm ready to hire people. Like, where do they even start with that?
2: Yeah, great question. So. The first place to start is making that list of the things that you do not want to do anymore. So if you're me, you never want to design a thing in Canva another day in your life.
0: <laughs> so, I love
1: that. I geek out on Canva like all oh day long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like I can and I and I think I've definitely gotten better as a Canva designer, but it is not my zone of genius. So. I would go back and look at the things like, what are you avoiding, right? What are the things that you were supposed to do three weeks ago, three months ago, six months ago, and you still haven't done it that, but whatever that is, um, or like your bookkeeping, people always push that off and push that off. And then they have to do it at their year end. And then it's a nightmare. So
0: that, that would be like last year.
2: That, <laughs> right. So that would be the first one. Um, I think you just have to identify the things that yeah. you really don't enjoy doing. And that are not in your wheelhouse because those are the things that create not only the, um, the situation where you have to put your time into it, but it's also like, again, the mental space around it, the energy of not wanting to do it, the all yeah. of that stuff is totally. like, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so I would figure out like what you want to outsource first. Okay. Um, and then honestly, when you're finding people, I would look in your own network. So sure. You could go on, you know, Fiverr, Upwork, Web's, whatever. Yep. Yep. Ideally, you would look in your own network, post it on your social. If you have an email list, send it to them, you know, find people who are already kind of in your world, who know you, who ideally they already understand your brand, right? And, and look there. And then from that, I always do like a three-step interview process where the first one is like, the basics, figuring out if it's a fit in terms of, you know, hours and pay and what they're looking for and long-term goal and all of that stuff. Cause if those that's things don't align, the rest doesn't matter. Right. 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 So that's the first one. That's a quick 15 or 20 minutes. Yes or no.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. you're
2: going to know very quickly. Yep. And then, um, and then the next one would be something that's more finding out a bit more about them, driving a little bit deeper You know, this is where you might ask questions about, you know, tell me about a time when this scenario happened. What did you do about it? Type of questions. Yeah. And then if they get through that, again, if it's not exactly bang on, you don't move them forward, right? But if they do get through it, the final one would be some kind of a practical exam or interview, I should say. So whether that's, you know, giving them a trial task that should be paid trial task or um, you know, just something that's practical. So you can actually see them doing the thing that you're going to have them do.
1: I love that. And so for people who are listening to this, that have like, you're blowing their mind and they're like, I didn't even think that I should hire people, but maybe I do. Because again, thinking about this, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I say, if your goal is to make X amount of money and you divide that down to how much that is an hour, And let's just say that comes to $200 an hour, what your goal salary is. Why would you take that $200 an hour and put it towards creating Canva when there's people out there who are going to be charging much, much less? Yes for that same service, right? So you could be devoting your time on the things that are going to bring in that $200 an hour versus yeah. doing the things that you could hire out for much less. So, so it's important for us to kind of get out of our own way there. So tell people a little bit about what could they expect? Like, what is a typical price range, I guess, that assistants typically charge?
2: Okay, so if you're talking about someone who's like a virtual assistant, hmm? it depends. I mean... If we're talking strict virtual assistant, I would say somewhere between like uh, some people might charge as It depends. You might get someone who's in the Philippines or who's in India or stuff like that because the world is so connected now. You you could, in theory, pay $5 an hour for certain tasks. And then if you're paying someone that's more local, if you're living Canada, US, UK, then you might be looking more like somewhere between 20 and 30 or $35 an hour. It depends on what the skill set is, right? Mm-hmm. And it depends on, you know, is it something that I can just give someone, they it's very task based. It's this is exactly how it goes, just run the system. Right. Are they, or are they using their strategic mind to help you, which is right. different? Right. Or are they using a specific skill like copywriting or design, right? those things are going to start to get more expensive, right? If you are going right. to hire someone who's a copywriter per se, those guys might be charging thousands of dollars for a sales page or for your website or things like that. But if you are just looking to hire your very first virtual assistant, day-to-day tasks, probably I would say 20 20 bucks would be about 20 to 25.
1: And what is the best advice that you have? to essentially train in a VA? Because I think that that has been Mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of held me back at first. It's like, oh, I need to get organized enough to be able to tell somebody what to do. And then I have to teach them what to do. Any advice on that?
2: For sure. So there are a couple things. One is when you hire someone, it forces you to get it done. So don't wait to get it done until you like to hire someone because that's just, you don't need to do that. Hire them and then get it done for them. (laughs) It is built in
1: accountability, hundred (laughs) percent.
2: Yeah. And then when you hire somebody, you can also say to them, look, when you get started with me, I've got some basics for how things run, but I actually want and need your help to make this system as efficient as possible. Right? So you don't have to have the system created. It does not have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be any of that stuff you might not even have anything ready as long as you're honest with them about what's going on. Right. Right, So if they come in thinking, okay, all I need to do is do what you tell me. And that's the kind of person that they are. That's different than someone who you're going to hire. Who You're going to say to them, I need you to work with me. And I want you to use your mind and your brain and your expertise to help figure this out. That's going to be a little bit different,
1: Um, but I would just
2: make sure I'm just clear from the very beginning about what this actually looks like.
1: So, um, Okay. This is just really fun. It's a fascinating conversation. So I have used zoom and loom actually just to create a screen share to send to my virtual assistant so that they can get a sense for what I'm doing. And so that's one of the things that you can do. Um, so I just had a brain fart. Hang on.
2: (laughs) While you're thinking, I'll just add this one other thing is that when you onboard people, you need to make sure that you aren't just expecting them to know what to do with very little instruction. You need to make sure that you explain, you go over things, you demonstrate, you show them what to do. And then I always also get them to show me. So if I'm on Zoom with them, I'm sharing my screen, I'm showing them how it goes. And then before I let them go and do it on their own, I'm having them do whatever the task is a few times with me where I can see what's going on and give feedback and all of that before I let them go on their own.
1: That's really smart. And I that's think that, you one. know, it just remember you guys that this is an investment in your time, right? So yeah. when you take the time, it seems cumbersome at first, it seems like a lot of work, but overall, if you pick the right person and you follow what Jody has said with the three different interviews, you're going to have somebody that's essentially a weld oiled, you know, human machine in the background, yeah. getting your stuff done. So it's definitely yeah. worth it. Okay. So, when some, this is just stupid questions that I get asked a lot. No, such thing. So, when you hire somebody at an hourly rate, yeah. are you paying them also to learn what they are going to be doing?
2: That's a good question. So, it's like this there are going to be different rules and like the legalities around it wherever you live. But basically, if you are giving someone a specific task to do, a deadline in which to do it, you should be paying them. So, if, for example, if I'm teaching someone how to do something and they need to go um, into my files to learn more about the business, I'm paying them for that. Mm-hmm. If they want to go and jump on a training on their own time to learn about how to maximize their Instagram, for example, yes, that's up to them. Right. So there, are, yep. if, if it's something that I'm asking them to do that has to be done with a deadline with a specific task. Right, I have to pay them, Mm -hmm. but ideally, if there's someone who is an action taker, entrepreneurial spirit, all of that stuff, they're going to go and do other things on their own time. But if I'm asking them to do it, then yes, I'm paying them for it. Yes,
0: that's awesome. Go ahead, did you got something to add?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say. Having said that, I typically don't pay people hourly. I use their hourly rate to come up
0: with a regular one time a month rate. Let's for easy numbers, let's say it's 10 hours a week, 20 bucks an hour, $200,
2: 800 for the month. I might pay them 850 or 900, like go a little more with the expectation that it's 10 hours a week. But then when it's that, um, you know, one rate, there's a lot less having to track. There's a lot less follow-up on all that stuff. Um, you, don't have to, you, know, you don't have to spend your time worrying about that. It is right. what it is. And then often, your people are going to go above and beyond. So if they need to do an extra hour here or there, it's going to be fine. Or if in a week they do less, you're not going to worry about it. Right? So I prefer to actually pay my people in a lump sum that mm-hmm. is based on their hourly rate.
1: That is such great advice. I've never heard that before, and it's really great advice. And just remind people, too, that there's a difference between people that you hire that are um, B2B, business to business, yes, or they're okay. more, more of have an employee mindset, right? So yes. somebody that I might hire for $5 an hour from the Philippines will be more likely to be an employee kind of base where I have to give them the tasks and then they just do the tasks versus somebody that I would work with that would be a business to business where they look at your business and they say, Hey, I think you need this. I think you need this. And I think you need this. And the more is a general VA where they can figure out what other pieces that you need as well. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay.
1: So Jody you've given us so much hope <laughs> for wanting to to really scale, to be consistent, to to make a bigger impact in less, you know, timed, working smarter, not harder. Is there anything else that you feel like people struggle with that you talk to a lot that you want to give some encouragement or some practical tools around?
2: Yeah, sure. I think the one other big thing is sales. I think there is tons of mindset work to be done for people with sales. And I'm sure this is, you have gone through this and seen it with your teams and all of that stuff too. Yeah. Um, where people get so caught up in feeling like, am I going to be pushy? And do they think that I'm too aggressive to whatever, all of that stuff. Right. And I think the one thing that I would say is businesses are built on relationships. So when you talk to people, Don't think about them as a prospect. Don't think about them as a potential client. Go in and build relationships. Connect with people. Get to know them. Treat them like they're your new friend. When that happens, the process is going to evolve. And if and when they're ready to get started and you're the type of coach they're looking for or service provider or whatever it is, they're going to get started with you. So never worry about, or even think about someone being a sale or someone being a client. Like that's not what it's about. When we talk about and think about building relationships, that is when the sales are going to come.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. I actually pray before I have conversations with people that I'm just meeting. And I say, Perfect. you know, Lord, just use me however you want to use me. And sometimes that means that I might be a, a connector between yeah. that person and somebody I already know. That might be that I might have some advice for them in something completely unrelated, like shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it might be that they need <laughs> my help in my you know, business industry, or maybe I needed theirs or whatever. But if you go into it without a pre-determined agenda, and you really yes. are just a good human, and and hopes that you can help somebody in some way. Exactly, it's naturally going to happen, don't you think? Yes, exactly. Oh Go I love with the
2: idea of serving and helping, not selling.
1: One hundred percent. Okay, so you have all these amazing things um, that I'm going to put in the show notes to make sure that people have all of the ways to get a hold of you. Is there anything that you want me to highlight real quick while we while we're still on the call?
2: Um, sure. There. Are- two like big ways that can really help help people. One is getting into my free Facebook group. So that one's called the Leadership Society. It's for coaches. It's for people who want to grow and strategize and scale with the team. Um, so there's that. And then the other one is the ultimate guide to creating your perfect group coaching
0: offer.
1: So that will
2: really I... help people kind of narrow that down and figure out what to include in that offer.
1: Awesome. We'll put both of the links in the show notes. And before we hop off, I always ask my guests to give our audience one question to ponder that's going to help them to move forward in their life.
2: Okay. So my question would be, if you were at your revenue goal for the year, what would you be doing differently?
0: All right. I like that. What would you be doing differently? I love that. Thank you so much for the insight. Thank you
1: so much for your wisdom. Like this has been one of my favorite conversations. Thank you so much (laughs) for sharing everything. And I'm so grateful that I get a chance to know you even better after today. Same
2: to you. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And I hope that everybody who's listening is getting a a gold nugget or two. And um, good luck to everybody. Hope to connect with you.
1: All right. Thanks, girlfriend. Thanks for listening. And if you know that you are made for more and you are tired of being held back and ready to get unstuck and step boldly into the life that you're meant to live, head on over to LashelleWeeMi.com, request an appointment and be ready for me to walk alongside of you personally to help you step boldly into the life that you are meant to live. I'll be back next week. But before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe and enjoy these
0: imperfect outtakes.